Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy Award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl the Podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyouevenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyouevenmore. Welcome, Stephanie Hamato, to That Girl, the podcast. She is back. We are going to talk about relinquishing control. The best topic ever. Ever. (laughs) topic that is near and dear to my heart as someone who is trying to relinquish control in her life. And as well with Stephanie, we are all type A's trying to be a little less type (laughs) A-ish. So we're going to talk about it. Um... Great. So you brought this up to me and you were like, how about we talk about this? I was like, yes, let's please talk about this. Um, Control issues can be so blatant where you're just like, wow, my spouse is so controlling. They need to know when and where and, you know, checking all the time. Like it can be that extreme to a parent who's just like, you know, kind of always checks up on you, um, out of, you know, quote love. Right. And it can be like misconstrued. So there's very, there's very different. I can't speak. There are variations (laughs) of control and we're going to talk about how they fit into different aspects of our life. So absolutely. Yeah. So let's get started. Um, why don't you take the ball and sort of talk about control and the way that you're feeling it right now and all of that. Totally. Well, I think the reason, and we've touched on this in a lot of our past episodes, because I think control, control issues, the need to uh, have predictability, it shows up in so many different areas in our life. And when we talk about personal empowerment, there's a certain level of taking control, like take control of your life. Don't leave, you know, your fate in everybody else's hands. Don't play the victim. Uh, you know, you do want to have a certain level of control over your life and over your well-being. However, that can very easily cross into like an unhealthy area. And that's yeah. when we start to call it more like control issues. <laughs> and um, so I guess that's what I just wanted to like dive into and dissect a little bit today yeah. is when does it go from empowerment and healthy control and boundaries and all those things to unhealthy control where you're no longer in flow and you're no longer attracting and allowing and you're uh, almost like squeezing things so tightly that you're not allowing any of the good stuff to come in. Yes. Preach on. All right, let's start it. Um, (laughs) You had sent me some categories. So why don't we start talking about controlling in relationships? Because that's a biggie. Ooh, yes. (laughs) So, you know, control in relationships that can start very early on, even before getting into a relationship, whether it's with like a romantic partner or even a friendship. Uh, Sometimes we are 
chasing rather than attracting. Mm -hmm. And so we, what the goal is, is to know what you want, you know, state your needs and don't settle for less, but also to have the, the faith that like the right people will not only be attracted to you, but they will also stick. And I think sometimes what we do is we either like change ourselves in order to fit someone else's mold. And then once we even have the friend or have the spouse, then we're unhappy because we're living in a way that's not genuine. Um, So I would say that's like right off the bat, like before even getting into a relationship, are you believing that you're worthy and that you can show up exactly as who you are without having to like alter yourself to fit someone else's mold? Mm -hmm. Um, And also, do you have faith that like the right person or the right people will come into your life at the right time versus trying to force it before it's, you know, it's the right time? Right. Because we all know what happens when we try to force something. It never works. It just doesn't. And I think Americans especially are very guilty of trying to force stuff, whether it's a relationship or a political agenda. We're just very pushy and we (laughs) really want it our way and we really bulldoze whatever we get into. And that's just who we are. But you know, that doesn't mean that's working. (laughs) So (laughs) what you just said is so true. And I find this in like a lot of younger relationships, but also in older relationships too, where people are like, man, you, this person I am dating or want to date is like everything I've ever wanted, but you know, I'm not really the match for them, but I want to be. So I'm going to get into mountain climbing and I'm going to get into like sports and all of the stuff that like you don't want to do. And then you go and pretend to like it and you hate it. And eventually maybe they fall for you. Maybe they don't. But like, eventually you have to come clean. And that's the breaking point of like, I don't want to do this anymore. And like you said, like, you've really got to like dig in and be like, where is my self-worth here? Do I believe that someone is out there for me in a romantic place and a friendship that's really going to get me and really going to love me for me? And that really does exist. But unfortunately, I think a lot of times as we're sort of figuring that out, we do, you know, try to cater to others' needs and, you know, we fall short. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this is something that women do all the time and I'm sure men do it too, but I just know life from like a woman's perspective is that instead of waiting for the right person to come along, a lot of women will try to make every man into the one or like every every man that they end up in either like a situationship or into like a longer, more serious relationship, even if they know there's red flags, Mm -hmm. even if they know that compatibility wise, they're on different pages with what makes them happy, what their life goals are, they will try to make it fit because it's, you know, kind of goes down to scarcity mentality. Like they worry that if, they hit a certain age or whatever that they're going to run out of time or there's going to be less of a pool of men to choose from or whatever the case may be, the negative self-talk that we have about not being enough. So we better, you know, just take whatever we can get. And uh, again, it comes down to the idea that like you are worthy and if this person isn't a right fit for you, that's okay. Just let, you know, set them back, release them to the ocean. They might, them. <laughs> yeah, because then you're wasting your time and theirs. You know, there's probably someone out there that fits very well with them and they don't have to change themselves, hide themselves, act a way they don't want to act in order to make it work. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. I will absolutely um, attest that I was in a relationship where someone was truly trying to be 
what he thought that I needed and really tried to pretend to be someone very different. And it just blew up in his face and it did waste his and my time because I didn't want someone faking it. I wanted someone to be that real person and they just really weren't. And then they cracked. So absolutely. And then the flip side of like trying to rush into a relationship or force it to work when it's not um, would be the fear of rejection. So instead of trying to control getting into the relationship, you're trying to control not having the, the feelings of being rejected. And so then you don't even go on the date, right? Or you don't go on the app, you don't go on the date, you don't put yourself out there. Even though in your heart, you really do crave the connection, you crave uh, meeting someone or whatever, you're then playing small or keeping your world safe by not putting yourself out there out of fear of rejection. So that's just another form of trying to control the outcome, you know, in a way that's not necessarily working towards your advantage of what you really want. Right. And like, you know, we see a lot of avoidant personalities from people that develop because of so much rejection. They are just terrified to be vulnerable. They're terrified to get hurt. And so they instantly, once something good starts, are like, oh, no, 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 no. Or even the possibility of anything. Like you just go on a good date and it's like, oh gosh, this could be real. Like terrifying. No, thank you. (laughs) And like, yeah, you want to stay in your safe spot. Um, I know recently I've actually been considering like, am I being avoidant? And I'm not actually an avoidant person, but in regards to dating, I'm like, am I being avoidant? And I will just as like, you know, to play maybe devil's advocate, because I'm still trying to figure it out too. If I'm being avoidant, I could see why, you know, I had a really tough last um, relationship, but it's been over for quite some time now and I'm healed and everything's good. And dating out there is really brutal. So it's kind of like, oh God, do I want to do that? But on the flip side, you know, I do want to meet someone. So, and then this is the, this is the devil's advocate part. I'm also for the first time have been in my life where I'm so happy and content that I don't really (laughs) want to go look for anyone. I'm like really good. And then they always say, that's when you meet the one when you're not looking and I'm truly not looking. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. (laughs) So it's just to, you know, just for those people out there who are kind of maybe in similar situations. Yeah. Okay. You might not be controlling your, your outcome right now. Maybe you're taking a break or maybe you are being avoidant because you're scared. Well, right. So it's also sitting with your own um, self and deciding like, am I making this choice from uh, a conscious place? Like Mm -hmm. I am choosing to take a break because I either don't have the energy right now or, you know, I've gone on a bunch of bad dates. I just need a break, whatever it is versus I'm not ever going to put myself out there. And then I'm going to be disappointed when I don't meet anybody, you know? So it's sort of like, there's no right or wrong answer. It's not black and white, but it's just really having like the self-reflection of like why you're making the choices you're making. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's and true. then also, so then once you get in the relationship, now there's a whole another set of control issues, right? So it could be, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, they say communication is like the most important factor in a relationship. And I would say uh, personally, I think that communication, but then like a close second would be acceptance. So, you know, when we're talking about control, I do think you need to communicate your needs, 
I think you need to communicate your expectations, like, how, you know, what's normal in a household, who does what mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, you don't want to take on more workload than the other person. So like being able to talk that through and really be clear about what you need and what you expect. However, once you've communicated those needs, and maybe you've had to say it a few times, if they still don't show up the way that you know you deserve, now you have to go to a state of acceptance. Now, if you can't accept that this person will not or cannot or chooses not to show up for you in the way that you have clearly communicated that you need, can you live with that? Should you live with that? So rather than spending months, years, decades trying to change the other person and make them show up in a way that they are not comfortable showing up. Um, And maybe comfortable is not even the right word. Maybe they're not capable of showing up. Yeah, they just Mm -hmm. don't have it. It's not in their wheelhouse. (laughs) Stop trying to control them. Take your power back and choose is this person right for me? And I think we have all spent way too much time at certain points in time in relationships where we're waiting for the other person to change. Mm -hmm. We're waiting for the other person to get it or to be a better partner or to, you know, love us the way that we can feel it and receive it. And again, I'm not saying necessarily throw in the towel every every time there's an issue, but Once you've kind of circled around the same issue and you see that this is really who the other person is, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you can't blame them for not getting what you need. Yes. Gosh, that is so huge. It's so huge in relationship and the way that you treat romantic partners, family members, friendships, coworkers. Oh my God, please let people just be who they are. I mean, again, like, I'm a, I'm a type A, I'm a motivated person. I get a lot of shit done. And I really do expect that a lot from the people I'm around, but not everyone is built the same way. And so whether, you know, I've put just unrealistic expectations on certain people, or they have felt that from me to be different or change, like that's not fair. And I'm actually watching a very dear friend of mine just become like, the most authentic version of themselves right now. And it's really, really humbling to watch because they are being given the chance to just be them. And I'm really happy to see it. And I feel that like, in a way, like maybe I, you know, wasn't always the best friend who was like really accepting of just who they are, like deep down and, and their dorky self, like, you know, maybe I just was pushing the wrong buttons of like, do this, do that. And they're like, okay, I'll try. And like Mm -hmm. deep down, it's like, I just wasn't letting them be them. And I really see them blossoming right now. And it just makes me very happy. And also makes me realize what you're saying, like let people be themselves. You know, if you're in a relationship and it's a new one and you're starting to see stuff that is like permanent and that's not going to work for you, then go like, or say, okay, I'm going to accept this and it's never going to change period. Yes. Well, and first of all, kudos to you for having so much self-awareness around like the areas that you're like, maybe I could have been a little more allowing and accepting of my friend and everything. I could have just backed off a bit. I don't know. I mean, hello, like none of us are perfect. We're all works in progress. We're always learning and growing and, uh, 
And I think it does show up quite a bit in friendships because you are going to have friends that show up for you and cheer you on, on all your good, your good times. Like when you win, they're celebrating harder than anyone, Mm -hmm. but that might be a totally different friend that shows up for you during your bad times. Like notice there's like different people. Like there's the friend that comes to your door with like a home cooked meal when you're going through stuff. And, you know, that might not be the same person that's cheering you on when you're celebrating a victory. Right. And so it's not necessarily trying to get everyone to show up for you in your life the same way, but allowing people to show up the way they show up. And then you get to decide how much or how little time they have in your life, you know? Mm. So good. So So good. Um, Ah, Well, the next topic is controlling with money. Money, money, money. (laughs) Money is a tricky bitch. (laughs) Sorry, am I allowed to say that on here? (laughs) That's okay. Yes, you can say whatever you want on this show. It is all ears. (laughs) Yeah, it is a tricky bitch. Money is truly what makes the world go round. It does. It is complicated. It is emotional. Money is energy. And the more you understand yourself, I swear to God, the more you're going to understand why you spend money, why you save money, and why you do what you do with money, especially given the circumstance in your life. So start. Yes. So this is one area that it is such a fine line between being empowered with money versus trying to control it so much that your, your hand is clutched so tight around it that it can't float into your hand. So there's, there's like a visual I've always liked about that. Like if money is, it's almost like liquid And if you want to hold liquid in your hand, you have to hold it really gently and and let it be cupped in your hand. But as soon as you close your hands tight around it, it slips through and it's gone. Mm. So, um, you know, so the point of that is to say, you don't want to be so guarded and tight with money that you're living from a place of scarcity. Mm -hmm. Because if you believe in law of attraction, which I do, essentially what you're telling the universe is you don't believe this money is going to ever be replenished. And so if you're constantly guarded with money and you're not, especially if you're not generous to yourself or anybody else, you're, you know, doing the bare minimum, scraping by, and uh, you're always putting out that energy. A lot of times you keep that cycle going of like never having enough, always running out, maybe getting yeah. into debt, et cetera. Yeah. But when you, I wouldn't say overspend, but just give a little bit more to yourself generously and have a little bit more flow with money. You're telling the universe you trust that it's going to be replenished. You trust that my favorite affirmation is money flows to me from multiple unexpected sources. Mm -hmm. And whenever I do start to feel a little bit scarce financially, or I start to have money fear, I just try to remind myself, I might not know how it's going to show up, but it's going to show up. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm not someone that sits back and does nothing and just expects money to show up for me. I'm a hard worker. I'm going out, I'm meeting the road halfway, but I don't always know, like as a freelance, as an artist, like where is the next big amount of money coming from? And so I just, I live from a place of I'm a hard worker. I'll figure it out. And money flows to me from unexpected sources. Mm -hmm. Uh, the flip side is you don't want to live from such a place of abundance that you're just like, (laughs) spending money as if, you know, you're a bazillionaire and it's never going to run out, you know? So it's really also finding that fine line. You want to live within your means and also not from a place of scarcity. What is your relationship to that? Oh, I completely a hundred percent like believe that. And that's how I live my life too. Um, I read the most incredible book 
on money and the emotional connection we have to it, especially as women. Um, and this book was written for women, but honestly, a man could read it and it would be like just the same. But it was all about that. You explained it perfectly. Um, what I think is interesting too is that like when you go through periods of time where you're either wanting to spend a lot just because um, and you don't feel bad about it. Like, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'll, like right now I'm in that moment where I'm like, God, I am spending a lot and I don't feel bad about it, but I am kind of like, you might want to like calm down just a little bit, but then I try to, and then I'm like, oh, but I want that shiny new thing too. And I'm like, this <laughs> is so funny. Cause like I'll go through periods of time where I don't spend anything and I get into super saver mode. And that is just as fun as spending money. And so, you know, it's like, you can be the one, you have to be the one to understand what is going on emotionally is, is the spending. And I'm not saying this is for me, but if you are spending a lot of money, are you trying to fill some kind of void that is not there that like needs the emotional work to be done? And you're like, but a new pair of shoes would make me feel good. Every a lot of people get really caught up in the like, I'll buy my way to happiness, and you don't. You just buy your way to debt. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that, well, or that's like, true. or what you oh. just talked about too, with like holding so tight. That is just as scary because you will definitely, I think as well with the law of attraction, like just cut yourself off and stay in a very small place. Yes. Well, and you know, if you think about this on another level as well, especially as freelancers, as we've been, um, you know, there's times when money is coming in a lot and then there's times when money isn't coming in a lot. And, you know, obviously our spending habits are going to be changing depending on what's going on financially. But one thing I notice a lot of freelancers especially don't do is put money away consistently every month towards some sort of like investment account. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, because we have hit those valleys, like peaks and valleys, valleys where we're low. And so we feel like, oh, it's never the right time to start that retirement account or to start that college fund for our kids or whatever it is. And what I would say to that is like by choosing, even if it's a minimal amount, like $50 a month or whatever, that you're putting away towards a future investment account. Mm-hmm. You're again, telling the universe, number one, you believe that you have a future coming. <laughs> number two, that you have enough financial flow that you can spare a, a minimal amount to plan for the future. So it's going back to this empowerment idea because essentially yeah. we we will, when times are you know normal to like good, we will find $50 to go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, we will find $50 to go have some drinks with our friends or buy someone a present or whatever. Mm-hmm. So can you find that $50 for your own future? Because your future self will definitely thank you. So when we talk about control, um, you know, this is one area that it's like, that's like a positive control versus like an unhealthy control. So just, yeah. That's such good advice and such a good reminder because it is just, you know, you could even see like putting that 50 bucks or whatever you can afford away as you're spending it. You could be like, well, I just spent some money on my retirement, you know, like whatever, flip it the way that you need to flip it. But, you know, at the end of the day, all the material stuff is never going to go with you and you're going to get bored of it. And eventually, like I've hit this before where I'm like, I don't care anymore about buying anything. I get really apathetic where I'm just like, "Eh, it just doesn't, I don't care. I just, I don't need 
I don't need anything, which is a beautiful, very wonderful place to be. And I'm very grateful, but there is something about, um, here we go. It's like you're eating a bag of really good chips, right? There's a chip. It's a hip pea. I don't know if y'all had hip peas, but they're really good. I know they're (laughs) so good. I could eat a whole bag. (laughs) That first like bite or two are like, oh my God, so good. But then you keep eating the chips and you're like, I can't get back to that first flavor, that first bite. And you keep eating and hoping that you're going to get that first bite again, but you don't. That's what shopping (laughs) is. Shopping is like that. Chasing the dragon. You're chasing the dragon. So anyway, yeah, controlling with money is a complicated thing. We could do a whole episode on that, but in respect to the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) So the next one we have on the list is controlling environment. Oh, okay. So uh, this would be like for our friends that might be a little bit OCD-ish, which I know that like that diagnosis gets thrown around too often, but this is like when you're a person who, if your environment is not organized and tidy, it drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. And so when does that go from healthy control to unhealthy control? Because I think for the most part, having like a nice aesthetic and having everything like put away and have a home is nice, but it can cross over into unhealthy if like, you know, like just normal relationships become a problem. So going back to the relationship thing, you know, the person in your home, whether it's a friend, a family member, a spouse, they might not have the same level of um, OCD perfectionism when it comes to environment. So being able to be a little bit flexible to be able to have like human relationships with other people who are not necessarily OCD, um, you know, and obviously this can get into a more unhealthy range. Like when we're talking about like washing your hands too frequently and going like crossing over into way unhealthy. So I feel like it's just something to monitor. Like I have some friends that would like admit that they have some level of OCD and, you know, when they're in a healthy, a healthy place mentally, um, it's, it's a general normal amount of like cleanliness and organization. And then when they are stressed and anxious, they are lashing out at everyone because they, you know, moved one thing out of place or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, I think there's the saying, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. And there's something about cleaning that when you're angry, it feels so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love to clean when I'm angry or something in that general realm of feeling. Um, I'm a, I'm definitely a very kind of neat, Nikki organized sort of person. I would not call myself OCD. I would just say that I have a lot of Virgo in my chart and that is why, (laughs) but you know, it's interesting because, you know, the psychology of it too can come from a parent. Maybe you watched a parent be like that. Maybe you had it drilled into you to be like that. Maybe you actually do have some sort of, you know, OCD sort of situation happening, but like the whole thing is what you're talking about is can you be okay with other people coming into your space and then messing it up a little bit in your eyes, right? Is that something that you can let go of and, you know, watching the bookshelf be a little like lopsided and not perfectly straight, (laughs) is that going to be okay? You know, do you go fix it? Or do you hold resentment and not fix it because the other person hasn't fixed it and they may never fix it? Like, what do you do? And that's obviously some, a much deeper issue of like, you know, where, where do I like relinquish control here? What can I be okay with? But right. 
Well, and this shows up a lot for people too, like as they become parents, because mm-hmm. they're used to having their home be an adult home and they're able to have every, you know, very few items out and everything has its place and it's neat and tidy all the time. And it's like, if I don't move it out of place, it's not getting moved out of place. But, you know, when you start having like toddlers in your house, like, you know, that goes right out the window. So again, how much do you tolerate how much, you know, and like, I mean, yeah, if you have a seven-year-old, you can like teach them like, oh, what you take out, you put back, here's how you put it back, et cetera. But when we're talking like two-year-olds, like you could tell them, but it's going to be a while before they actually pick up those good habits. And so how much do you like allow them to be kids versus like kind of teach, like make them walk on eggshells and not let them have fun and not them not let them make a mess, which is like part of being a kid, you know, is being able to pull out all of the the stuff in the kitchen and make a mess. And then eventually you all clean it up, you know, but so again, that's where it's like, where does it draw the line of healthy versus unhealthy and Mm -hmm. being able to be just, just flexible. Cause you know, we all kind of live on a spectrum of like where our cleanliness and tidiness um, tolerance sits. But as you said, when you start introducing other people into your environment, now you have to be just a little bit flexible in order to have like healthy dynamics and healthy relationships. So true. Okay. Controlling timelines. Ooh. So yeah, this is good. We touched on it a little bit with like romance. So like how many times has someone said like, oh, I need to meet my partner by this age or career timelines. I need to get this promotion or have this title by this age. And um, I really like Rachel Hollis's take on this um, because she is very much a goal-oriented person and goal-oriented mindset. However, she's like, I don't believe your goals should have an expiration date. Because then what happens is if it doesn't happen by that date or it looks like it's not going to happen by that date, you give up on the goal completely. And she's like, there's no expiration point on your dreams. There's no expiration date on your goals. And I think that's such a good attitude to have because we don't always control when things show up in our life. And we don't always control how many times have you started a goal and then you realize that there's like 10 levels that you have to accomplish before even getting to that point that you weren't even aware of until you started the process. So you have to be like, again, a little bit flexible with yourself and with life that, you know, you're going to get to your goal. It's good to have a goal, but that you don't have to know exactly when it's going to pan out. I so agree with that, especially as we do get older and sort of hit milestone birthdays. It's very (laughs) easy to be like, oh, well, I'm just too old to do that now. And that's the excuse. And that's a terrible excuse because I truly, and I mean this when I say this, like age is an illusion. Time is an illusion. It is not necessarily contingent to what happens in your life. Like it really isn't when it comes to goals that you're creating. I mean, biology, even that is a little bit askew now because we're, you know, living longer. We're so much healthier. We look younger as we're older. I mean, it's just so much is changing that, if you keep these old mentalities from our parents and our grandparents' age, you know, it's not fair to the life that you're living right now. And, you know, I really like what you just said with Rachel, because 
if that time comes and goes like, well, I guess the goal isn't happening. I guess I'm never going to be that. And like, maybe there are some things you can't do. Like, you know, you'll probably never be like an Olympic ice skater at like 50, but you know, like whatever, you can still enjoy competing if you wanted to get there. You know, it's just, there's so many hurdles that you can put on yourself if you really want to, to make it not happen. But instead, why don't you just be like, Hey, I am this age or I am in this place in my life and I'm just going to do it anyway and enjoy the journey. Because again, it's like the chips, like once Mm. you get the goal, like once you hit the goal, I swear you're going to be like, maybe it's not like the chips, but like, you're going to be so on the next goal when you're hitting the original goal, you'll be like, Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like, it won't even matter anymore. I mean, hopefully it matters something, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, my two favorite examples of that is like, and I'm sure you've heard it a hundred times, but Morgan Freeman had his first breakout role at like 52 years old. And now it's like, who doesn't know who Morgan Freeman is? Right. So if he was like, I need to hit it big by the time I'm 40, uh, we wouldn't even know him. You know, so it's like, think of it that way. It's like his whole career. I mean, he worked before that, but he didn't become famous like a house, like until 52 years old. So, um, so it's just a good reminder. And then also just like romantically, my, my uncle Joby, uh, he met like the love of his life. And I think he was like 60 and he lived the rest of his years with Jan. So hi, Jan, if you're listening. Um, and she's like, she's absolutely the love of his life. And they had like the best years and, you know, so much love and so much happiness. But like, imagine if they were just like, oh, well, you know, we didn't meet someone in our thirties. So we're done, you know, yeah. uh, like, again, there's no expiration date. Like whenever the thing is that shows up for you, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be magical. Um, you know, and why put all that added pressure on yourself to make it happen by a certain time? You know, it's not necessary. And all of that time that's already passed, you're not going back. You can't even go back. So like be happy in this moment, especially if that thing has happened to you now. Don't think, oh, I wish I would have met him or her in my twenties or my thirties. Be excited that you've met them now and you get to spend this time like every day with them now. I mean, we're only in the now. So absolutely good point. Agreed. Okay. The next one is controlling body and diet. Oh, well, this is a good example. Like when we talk about, um, crossing over into like healthy versus unhealthy, because mostly I would say, you know, from an empowerment point of view, your health, your fitness, your body, like that is in your hands. Uh, Of course, there's going to be some things genetically that pop up that you might have to navigate and work through. But when it comes to diet and fitness, you know, you choose what you put into your body. You choose how much energy you exert for like exercise and, uh, and all of those good things. It can cross over into unhealthy, for instance, like, okay, let's say you have some health issues. Uh, diabetes or heart disease or different things that you're like, okay, I absolutely like my doctor is telling me I have to lose weight. And so you choose whatever kind of diet option is going to make that happen and help improve all your numbers and all that. But it can cross over into unhealthy as we've seen. This is like the prime physical example of unhealthy control is when we limit our diet so much that 
you know, our organs are shutting down, our hair is falling out, our, you know, we're emaciated. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of eating disorders. I grew up in a high school that like almost every girl <laughs> had some form of an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, this is just to be mindful of like acting from an empowered place, from a healthy place that you're doing, you're making choices to bless your body, mm-hmm. not necessarily to fit into a, an image, to fit into a mold mm-hmm. uh, for society, you know, cause not everybody's body is meant yeah. to wear a size zero, you know, <laughs> not yeah. everyone was designed that way right. and that's okay. Like some of us have hips or curves or, you know, different structures. And, um, you know, so I guess with diet and body, I just, you know, would say to come from like a healthy place. Yeah. Because diet is, or, you know, our body is the one thing that in a lot of ways, when we take it to an unhealthy place is the only thing we can control. And I think people can take that to a very unhealthy place. And we do see, you know, um, different eating disorders happening because of it, but, you know, it's also something that we need to just be kind to ourselves. Like you were saying, just be kind to the body that you have, that you're born with, that, you know, not everyone's supposed to be a size zero and that's totally okay. Even I was thinking about Kim Kardashian when you said Mm. that, I'm like, that girl is not a size zero. Like she probably has to have her pants like tailored because she has such hips and such a butt and a little tiny waist and the whole thing. Like some of that's not natural. We all know that, but, but the point (laughs) is, is that, you know, there are girls with curves and it's totally cool, but like, it's just it like I would never be a size zero. And if I became no. a size zero again, like something would be very wrong with me. You'd be like, something's very wrong. Like, like totally to feed her now. So yeah. yeah, it's it's very easy to control your your body and your diet, but it's where it's coming from in your head. Totally. I have one more. I don't think it's on the list, but um, oh. one other thing that I was like thinking about that we try to control is like other people's happiness. Oh, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> <Talk> about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was thinking about that because I know like as a parent, but also as a family member and a girlfriend and all the things, you know, there's a certain level of like, we do things to try to make the other person's experience happy. And then if they are not happy, we are thoroughly disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) And so this comes up as an area of control over and over again, at least in my life. Like as a parent, you know, you're like, I'm going to buy the gifts. I'm going to decorate. I'm going to do cookies. I'm going to, you know, put on a song and dance and I'm going to hire the clown and I'm going to do all these things. And then my kid is going to be like, mom, I'm so happy. (laughs) But what actually ends up happening is the kid ends up overstimulated that day from all the excitement and they're like having meltdowns and they're like, you're the worst mom ever. And you're like, what the heck? I've put all this energy into making them happy yeah. and they're not freaking happy. And um, so my, my thought on this is that like, it's not our job to control other people's emotions. Yeah, It is our job to do what we think is best what, you know, like worry about our side of the street, but we don't have a say in how that's received. They're an entire, entirely different human. They're having their entirely different human experience. And, you know, we're going to set ourselves up for burnout and like a whole lot of disappointment. Mm -hmm. If we're doing all of this effort to try to force someone to have a feeling 
that like, again, we, we barely can control our own feelings and you want to be in control of someone else's feelings. No, you do the good thing and you let them have their experience. So this is where, you know, like when you talk like codependency and um, enmeshment and things like that, it's very important Mm -hmm. to remember that like you're your own individual person and they are their own individual person. They do not have to be happy for you to be happy. And they do not have to be okay for you to be okay. All you can do is be supportive. Like if, you know, whether it's a spouse, a kid, a family member, a friend, they're going through stuff. They're not happy that day. You can be supportive, but it doesn't have to completely demolish you because they're having a hard time. Right. And I feel like women are so guilty of this. We are so like, we want to make everyone feel comfortable and happy. And what else can I do? Let me put you first. Let me put me totally last. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, what you said is exactly what happens. You just feel burnout. You feel totally unappreciated. Um, I was looking at mother, our um, birthday cards for my mom today, because it's her birthday this week. And there was one card, there's so many cards that were like, if I didn't tell you I'm telling you, I appreciate you. And I'm like, this is a general theme of mothers not feeling appreciated. Like, and it's true because, you know, so many are just giving their everything. And then when their kids or their spouse or the people at the party, whatever, the other moms, whatever it is, you know, don't give you what you're hoping to get as a reaction. You will feel like really unappreciated, but also just like really disappointed. Like, I don't know what else I could have done. I was trying to be the perfect mom or the perfect, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. And when I hear that too, I just remember it's like the art of giving, right? Like you give to give, you don't give to receive. You hope to receive maybe something like a thank you or maybe a gift one day to like reciprocate, but it's not about that. It's really just, you know, I'm doing this for you. But, you know, when you are sitting there feeling like, good God, like, doesn't anybody care? You know, that's, that is in a way, it is kind of a way of controlling if you do an action towards like the other person, like, honey, what do you say? Like, I don't know, mom, I'm three. Like, you know, (laughs) it's just like totally unrealistic expectations, but yeah, just kind of going in, like going in giving what you are able to give, having that boundary. And then like, whatever it is, like, cool, yeah, that emotional, it. right. Release Being it. I want to release it. Totally. Well, and I also, whether it's, you know, parenthood or, or romantic or whatever, um, you're also creating a monster a little bit when you're <laughs> just really like your well being is hinged on the other person being happy. Yes. Uh, you will end up enabling the other person. And it's, you know, not to say it's not their fault, but essentially you're creating that monster. So uh, it's specific to parents, but also in other relationships. Um, You know, that's why we had that whole generation of really uh, enabled or like entitled youth. Because our generation, (laughs) I feel like it was like right after us. Like maybe we were the start. But um, because there was this parenting style at the time that was very much like, make sure my kids are always happy. Like they get the gold medal for showing up. Um, if they forget their homework, we bring it to the school for them. Like we never let them fall on their ass because we want to make sure that they're comfortable and happy and coddled and that they know that they're loved 24 seven. Yeah. And, um, there's some, some kindness in there, like wanting your kids to feel loved, 
Um, but there's like the, the devil in there is that if you don't let people learn from their mistakes, fall on their ass, have some harsh doses of reality from time to time, they can't grow the thick skin that they need to grow in order to evolve and mature in their life. So you are not doing them a service by always picking up the pieces for them, by always making sure that they think that life is Disneyland, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, we end up with like a bunch of entitled kids at that point. And oh, yeah. I had a whole other point about this. <laughs> well, you I think talk. what you're saying is great because, you know, it's whether they're kids or they're just, you know, man children, like it's the same situation. <laughs> like yeah. you don't want to enable people and you want, you know, what, what I keep hearing too, is that when you go into your, your masculine in that way, where you're trying to like make everything happen. Right. And then this like kid or the spouse or whatever just sits back and then they just receive and they're feminine. They're like, well, why are you getting upset with me? Like you did everything like, thanks. I yeah. don't know. Like the, it's so askewed because you're coming from a mental place of, I want this expectation and I want this like person to feel, you know, maybe emotionally safe or emotionally understand, you know, what the, what's going on with the situation is that you're doing it for them, like you're saying, and then they would never give you the response that you want because they're really so much in their feminine and they're not like, they don't even understand why would I give you a response? It's more just like, okay, cool. Thanks. And that's that's what you need to them. Right. Totally. Well, that's what I was going to say is that my, I had a therapist a while back and I remember kind of like debating this with her in therapy of like trying to really figure out the, the, the middle ground of like, not being overly harsh, but also not enabling. And what she said was kind of perfect. She's like, it's not your job to protect them from ever experiencing the bad things. She's like, but it's your job to teach them how to cope with it. So, and I've always tried to remember that as like my kids are getting older and they're making more mistakes and they're having, having to learn lessons is like, I can be the shoulder they cry on. I can talk them through it. I can help them process, but it's not my job to make them live in a bubble where nothing bad happens. Like it's yeah. actually important that they're experiencing those things all throughout their life so that when they get out in the harsh real world, they don't have a false sense of reality. So don't be controlling to the point of trying to create this false, happy bubble for anyone in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, like when they get that out in the real world, they're not going to be set up for success. Like they need the growing pains. We all need the growing pains. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, even a romantic, yeah. In a romantic relationship, same thing. Like if you're always giving in to your partner in order to make them happy, in order to appease them, well, now you've created a monster because they think like, oh, well, like whatever I want, you know, anytime, like, I don't need to worry about her needs. I don't need to show up for her. Like she just does everything. And, you know, I have this wonderful cushy life. What do you mean you want to go to marriage counseling? I'm happy. (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) Of course you are. Because I've been fucking this up lately. Oh, Jesus. You created a monster. Right, right. Uh, And that is self-awareness right there. Right there. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great chat. There's so many different episodes that came out of this that I can see happening. So (laughs) we'll just revert back to the list and be like, let's do an episode on that one. But thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's always such a good time. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. 
We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.